you this morning to our podcast, and we're so glad you're here. This morning, going to minister on Come Up Here. Come Up Here. I want to read from Psalms 59 and 10 first. My God, in His faithfulness, someone say, in His faithfulness, will meet me. God will let me look triumphantly upon my enemies. Anybody like to look triumphantly above your circumstances and situations and the things around you? This morning we can declare that there is more to you than you know because there's more to God than you ever thought possible. Amen. I'm going to read from, I had printed this out because this is small print, but we're going to go for it and I forgot to bring it. 1 Kings 19. Everyone say 1 Kings 19. And Elijah went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts and the children of Israel. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then God said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind, someone say wind, wind came and tore the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then a great earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, a fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And then came a gentle whisper, and God said, Elijah. Let's pray. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit here this morning. I thank you, Lord, for preparing this word for those listening by podcast and those in the room this morning. Speak to my brothers and sisters as only you can. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do, and let us be encouraged. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You know what? I love it that when you come to the end of yourself, you've just come to the beginning of God. Can I get an amen? To his mercy, his goodness, and his favor. A change of perspective can make all the difference. A change. We have tunnel vision. Someone say tunnel vision. Tunnel vision is I can only see what's before me and around me. How many know that God can see what is behind you, before you, in front of you, and everything that is to come? Can you say amen? You can go over to Lookout Mountain. Have you ever gone up there? And you can go to the Rock City Point. As a child, I love this. And you can see seven states from there. How many have ever done that? You can see Tennessee, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Kentucky, and Alabama. How cool. And when I was a child, I don't know if they still have but you put a little something in these little binoculars and it, they still have that and it kind of brings it in that's very incredible to see seven states but here's the deal God can't just see seven states God can see the entire world and you and I need his perspective on our life on our situations because with his perspective we are going to win can you say amen if I envision that God says come and meet me and 
and I envision him living in a house, then that house, the door is always open. Don't you love someone's house? The door is always open. If I envision that God is cooking, he's cooking pot roast. Come on, somebody. Potatoes and onions. I used to love Sunday morning at my when I was growing up. Why did I love Sunday morning, Pastor Connie? Because my mama put on a roast at about 5 a.m. And you could smell it while you were doing your hair. You could smell it while you were getting ready. When you go out the door, you'd always ask mama, can I just have a bite? No, honey, we got to get to church. All during church, you're worshiping, but you're thinking about that pot roast. Can I get an amen? That smell of that pot roast, I think if God had a house and he invited you, he's cooking you something wonderful. But the door is always open and he says, come and meet with me. Let me give you perspective regarding your trials, your circumstances, your situations. Let me give you perspective on what troubles you this morning. Let me give you perspective on what hinders you. Let me give you perspective on what hurts you and what is come against you. This is a journey. When I think about a journey traveling with my family, my daddy was a preacher, still is, and we would travel from East Coast to West Coast. Everyone say East Coast to West Coast. And the funny thing is three children in the back seat. Now, some of y'all don't even know what we survived. You don't know the wars we survived growing up because we didn't wear seat belts. I know that freaks y'all out. And the one of the children laid in the thing behind you, whatever that's called. Then the next one laid on the seat. But woe be to the one who got the floorboard because if daddy in that station wagon hit the brakes too quick, here comes Bubba on sister on down to the other sister. That's why my sister's so small today because she was off along the floor. Come on, somebody. And taking this journey, we would see all these exits. You know, it was so exciting. What you don't know is there was these exit signs for Stuckies, which was the Buckies of our day. Come on, somebody. You begged your parents, let's get over in Stuckies because they had pecan log rolls. Oh, hallelujah, Gerald, I see you worshiping. They had those. You wanted to go into Stuckies because I wanted to talk my daddy into getting me a shot glass. I didn't even know it was a shot glass, but it had my name on it. Daddy said, you don't need that. I need it. It's got my name on it. Or there was a little train or some taffy, and you would just walk around all the little gifts thinking, Daddy, I need this. Daddy, I want this. No, no, you go to the restroom, get your pecan log roll, we'll divide it amongst the five of us, get an amen, and we'll go on. And the thing is, Stuckies were like Bucky's in 49 miles. There came another Stuckies, and we'd say, Daddy, Daddy, we need to get off at Stuckies. And he'd say, Honey, listen to this. We can't get off on every exit. Oh, we're not going to get to where we need to go. And we're not going to get there when we need to be there. But the interesting thing is, the farther you go west, Pastor Connie, because we would go east coast to west coast, and when you hit New Mexico desert, New Mexico desert into Arizona desert is like a no man's land. And they'd have these signs. I wish my siblings and I could have gotten all the signs together. I got what I could. But the first sign would say, stop here. Don't go any farther. Get off the exit ramp right now. We have real Buffalo Bill bones buried out here in the desert. And you've got to see them. We're like, daddy, daddy, I need to see Buffalo Bill's bones. What would daddy say? 
We can't get off at every exit or we won't get to where we need to go when we need to be there. Can you say amen? And then the next sign would say, don't stop. No, stop now. Don't keep going. I mean, they kept, they're really courteous at first. And then these signs that were painted on like these wooden sticks would say, get off now. We have real hyenas at this exit. And we're like, daddy, daddy, get off at this exit. Then the next exit would say, we've got leaping lizards doing aerial high trapeze artist acts. Get off now. We're like, Daddy, we got to see the lizards. There was this one trout farm that Daddy did get off the exit for and uh, where it said, get a, get a trout like you've never had before. Fish with the Hendersons. I don't know what their name were. We got out there. Mama stayed in the car. She kept the doors locked because Mama was smart. But the three little children went with Daddy out into the no man's land to fish with three people. I don't ever want to remember what they looked like again. They scared me so bad. My Daddy said, kids, just stay close to me. Stay close to me, kids. So we're all fishing, watching the three people that own this farm. And I'm convinced as a child, that's before I knew about true crime podcasts. I don't listen to them. I was convinced as a child they wanted to cook us up and eat us for dinner. Come on, somebody. But there was so many exits. Get off here. There's a minefield. Get off here. There's something wonderful. And it gets crazier and crazier the farther west you go. How many know in this journey to see God, to know God, to love God? There's too many exit ramps. There's things pulling. Come see me. Get off the Netflix ramp and stay there for about four days till you can't get up off that couch. Get off the YouTube ramp and come see me. Come to the, all these things are good, but there's so many exit ramps that try to get us to get off the journey of where we're heading in God, things that are pulling over us. Anybody but me looking at a picture of a friend on Facebook and then you've gone seven layers deep into their Aunt Jemima who was born in Africa and then you wonder what are the Africans wearing today? I think I'll pull that up. And what did they eat? Oh, they eat. I need that recipe. Where is that recipe? And two hours later, you realize you've just wasted two hours of your life. Can I get an amen? Look at your neighbor and say, too many exit ramps. Here's the deal. God wants us on this journey to come and meet with him and to get his perspective on our life because the best news of the day, he is God and I am not. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, he is God. And you are not. In fact, if you put yourself in that place of God, you need to go home. I don't know if they pink slip people anymore. When I was young, you got a pink slip if you got fired. You need to go write a pink slip and tell yourself, I'm fired. I am not God. Because no one can handle the yoke of being God. You can't handle the yoke of feeling like the world depends on you alone. I'm so glad this October 1st that God is in charge and he is God all by himself. Somebody give him a shout of praise. I'm so thankful. I need his vantage point. I need his perspective. I need to see what he sees and know what he knows. Because when you meet someone in the community, hi, how are you? I'm fine. Fine. How are you? I'm fine. Well, in case you wanted to know, God is doing mighty fine today. Can you say amen? He is sustaining galaxies. He is holding stars in place. He is stewarding the seemingly chaotic vents of earth. He has no dilemmas. He has no shortages. He has no fears. He has no cracks in his armor. He has no worries. He is self-existent. He's God and he knows it. Can you give him a hand clap of praise? He is God. Give him a shout of praise this morning. 
in this teaching I'm bringing you this morning. After an eternity of being God, he shows no wear and tear. He has no needs. His accounts are all in the black. He wrestles with no mystery, so any crime show would never pull him in because he knows the ending. The mystery of your life does not defeat him. The things that you don't understand about your past do not discourage him because he does not need a doctor. He doesn't need a loan officer. He doesn't need a role model. He doesn't need a father or a mother. It makes perfect sense that his name is I am, so our name is I am not. God is big, so you and I don't have to be big every day of our life. Can I get an amen this morning? Come on, can I get an amen? You see, your name may be Todd, your name may be Misty, your name may be Dottie, but your name is really I am not. You are not the head of anything. Oh, I'm the lead pastor, but I'm not the head of this church. Jesus is. I am not in control. I'm saying this about me. You can say about yourself because it'll free you. I'm not the solution. I am not all powerful. I'm not calling the shots. I am not the Lord. He himself is Alpha and Omega, and he's preparing to show Elijah, I've got this world all in control. Because the good news for you this morning is he is Alpha and Omega in the book of Revelation, which means he does not start what he cannot finish. He does not leave things halfway done. He will never begin a process in you and walk away way his door is always open he's always prepared to help you his name is the I am that I am and give him a good Sunday morning praise this morning come on somebody look at your neighbor and say my name is I am not so Elijah Jennifer I, I love it that we're kind of a small community this morning when God gave me this word this morning I said, this is a word for small community He's always ahead of the game. I don't understand all that. But Elijah was a heroic prophet. He was a beast, we might say. But he was a man, human, subject to human conditions, just like you and me, as we all are. You're sitting next to a human this morning. He suffered discouragement, depression. And on one occasion, he could not shake what he was going through. I love it that God includes the seasons of Elijah's life for all of us to read, to see, to feel, and know. Funny, we often want to remove the bad chapters of our life. Can I get an amen? We want to dress it up with a pretty bow, but that does not help anyone. Can I get an amen? I loved it at Queen for a day when Donna Hammett, I always want to call her Rice because we grew up together. I loved it as she grabbed the mic and came across that big OCI stage. She said something so powerful. She didn't say Jesus is Lord. She didn't say give him a shout hallelujah. She said this, I hope you can't hear my legs shaking as I walk to the mic. And when she said that, I, I thought, because I know our, our Queen for Day people, I said, she's got him. She's got him. She just disarmed him. Your weaknesses disarm people from feeling intimidated in your presence. Your weaknesses disarm people. Why, people always say, why do you go tell these crazy things about wigs falling off your head and breaking into a home out of fear? Because if I can disarm a crowd I don't know because they may have a, a thought about the way I look, but if I can disarm them by telling them something ridiculous about me, all of a sudden they're just like putty in the Lord's hands. Because they're like, my God, if she can keep going and her wig fell off during a worship service, then dear Lord, I can get up and do something for the kingdom. Can I get an amen? 
Come on, give God a shout of praise. I love this mercy culture we're a part of. No perfect people allowed here. When we think we're perfect and we think only other people make mistakes, we are aligning ourselves with a group of people that Jesus despised. He did not despise the adulterer. He did not despise the fornicator. He did not despise the sinner. But who did he despise? The Pharisees. The religious people who threw stones at everybody else. The religious people that Jesus said, you make people twice the son of hell that you are. Meaning you make such high standards for people, no one can get in. I know I say it every few weeks, but aren't you glad this church is a church of the whosoever? Aren't you glad? Give the Lord a, a shout of praise over that. I love it that God does not hide these moments. He does not hide their frailties and weaknesses in the Bible. Here's the deal. My husband loved this statement. It's okay not to be okay. And sometimes we tell people, it's going to be okay, but I know it's not okay today. But it's going to be okay eventually. And it's all right. And in this house, as I'm raising up leaders and they shared their struggles with me, I said, don't you ever back up from sharing what you're really going through. I refuse to be part of a culture that polishes everything up and makes it look like the, all of us just walk on water and we swim through the Red Sea and we've got such perfection. And when you do that, no one can meet that standard. But I believe the world is hungry for a people who will say, I have weaknesses and God still uses me. I got mad last night. In fact, on the way to church, I almost said five Chinese words. But I only said one. Glory to God. But here I am because we make such standards. Here's the deal. God did not hide this. Moses was so blue and discouraged, he asked God to take his life. It's the same Moses that said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Jonah, after God had made a whale into a motel for an evangelist, after all of that, after Nineveh repents, I mean, I, was, I woke up at three. I was so excited to see y'all. Actually, it was 2.45, and I've not gone back to bed since then. But at any rate, while I was laying there, I began to ponder what it looked like in the middle of that well. I don't know why these thoughts hit me at 2.45, but I was disgusted. Is anybody with me? I don't want to be inside a crocodile's mouth. Well, that's stupid, I know. I surely don't want to be inside of a big whale's belly with all of his juices and his big old tongue and his digestive system. Jonah survived that, and Nineveh got saved, and then he said, I just want you to kill me, God. Take me. I want to die. He was human like you. Look at your neighbor and say, he was human like you. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8, we despaired, speaking of his missionary work in Asia, we despaired even of living. He said we were burdened beyond measure. And here is Elijah. God is gracious to give us these snapshots of these people so you and I can encourage ourselves. Maybe I'm the only one that needs to know people like me have had some stuff. Come on. Maybe I'm the only one that needs to know that a great man or woman of God, I travel with them. I hear them behind doors. I hear their pains and their sorrows. I can't share those, but I often encourage them. You need to share them because God's gracious to show us Elijah. Here he is, rock bottom. Someone say rock bottom. And the weird thing, Tanner, it's after he had a great victory. He had been at Cherith. He'd had a miracle at Zarephath. 
he, he marched into King Ahab's palace and declared out of nowhere. I mean, he just comes in. It says, Elijah the Tishbite walked into the palace and yelled out, it shall not rain for three years because I said so. And then he leaves. And it didn't rain for three years. But then he prayed again and it did rain. And, here, and then he faced off 450 prophets of Baal and he killed them. And he stood between them and said, let God show who God is. But in this moment, he's discouraged. Have you ever gone to bed? And everything's been fine in your life and you woke up the next morning and it wasn't. You woke up the next morning and nothing's fine in your feelings. In your spirit, in your mind. It's funny, you were really looking for a great day. Oh, I've had that to happen. It happened a couple of weeks ago. I got up and thought, what's wrong? I mean, I prayed for the world, you know, the starving children, all of you by name, which at 245, I called every name of the church. That's not for any accolades, but I thought maybe that'll put me back to sleep, but it didn't. It just got my mind to thinking. But you were prayed for. But at any rate, you wake up and nothing is the same. Your feelings, your actions, your interpretation of the very same things that took place yesterday are different today. You see, here's the deal. Satan is of the spirit world, and he already knows what you and I have to remind ourselves. The same equipment affects the natural, also affects the spiritual. And sometimes the challenge is more natural, but we begin to think it's spiritual. We begin to think something's terribly wrong with us. If people have often said in quiet moments with me, have I offended God for eternity because of what they're feeling? Satan wants to turn what would be a temporary emotion, a feeling, a thought into defeat. He wants you to stay in despondency. That's just a moment. My mama, who I miss so bad, she encouraged me so much, especially my adult ministry. I'll talk about that in just a moment. She just had such a perception of what ministry was about. I miss her so, so bad because she would often say to me, this too, say it again, this too, look at your neighbor and say, this too shall pass. But in that moment, it's like the enemy rides a monorail. If you've ever been to Disney, the monorail takes you right into Disneyland or Disney World. And he wants to take you out of the game. He comes right into the heart of your personality. He wants to, you to vote yourself out of your destiny, to eliminate yourself out of your influence. And the crazy thing is, he's having this after wow days. How many have had a wow? We've all had it. Raise your hand. An awesome day. I mean, it was like, whoa, we kicked mm-mm today. <laughs> this was a great day. I did the mighty things. And you're just so thankful to God. And all of a sudden, you just can't believe that happened. It was so great. And here is Elijah, and here he's fought the prophets of Baal. Then he says to King Ahab, and I, I'm going to portray this with one of our men. He says to King Ahab, now it's going to rain. And it says that the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah right before he wants to die. This is this day. Everyone say the awesome day. And the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he outran for 13 miles. I mean, here's King Ahab with his horse. And I envision this is Matt Decker, okay? He's Elijah. And I just envision him. I mean, he's just going. I mean, I'm, I'm, he's our best actor. Give him a hand. He really is. We, that's, why we, that's why he's in the middle of everything, the dinner theater. He's just, he's got it. Good thing Hollywood didn't pick him up, but we did. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. And I just envision him just running. I mean, he's running so fast. And, he's, and King Ahab is just doing the chariot, but there he is. I love the scene. 
Here comes Elijah outrunning him 13 miles. I've had moments like that, haven't you? Where the psalmist said, I can run through a troop and leap over the wall. We sing hallelujah, hallelujah, I need a tambourine. Some of y'all don't know that song. We're going to bring back some of those songs and freak you out. Come on. I can run through a troop and leap over a wall. Hallelujah. You know those days you just feel his energy? I can't wait to get to work. Move back, Chick-fil-A. Here comes Tina. Woo, 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 woo. You know those days I can't wait to get home and cook dinner. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I, got, I can't wait to help people. Those days that Tanner says, I can't wait to get there and play the drums even though I've been up all night at work and I haven't slept in 17 days. I, and that often happens, not 17, but at least one. I want to get up there. Those, those days you just feel like you can fly. Can I get an amen? I can't wait to, yeah, I can't wait to get there and usher. I can't wait to get there and greet. I just can't wait to get there. Woo! This is the day the Lord has made. And, you know, everybody around you like, what you been drinking? <laughs> What's going on here? What you been taking? Well, if I'm doing that, I hadn't taken nothing. It's an awesome day. Amen. Same for you. Those are awesome days, aren't they? And I think God balances out the bad days with those awesome days to when we just feel so powerful. I can run through a troop and leap over the wall, but then there are days, someone say, then there are days that I feel like that scripture reverses itself. And I feel like the troop ran over me. It wasn't just one person. You ever feel like that? I feel like I've been run over like a truck. That's what people say. And the walls pushed in on you. Here's the deal. This is Elijah running fast under the hand of the Lord, outrunning King Ahab. The hand of the Lord is upon him. This is supernatural. I've been in worship services in this house where supernatural things happen, even physically for me. I'm not going to go into all those pictures but unbelievable with spirit. And I've preached when Spirit Lord came in. Down in Georgia, they got me jumping this high in heels. I didn't even know I was jumping. And then sometimes when the Spirit of the Lord, David said, it moves upon me, I dance. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon, that was before the infilling, it came upon Elijah. And he was going in such power. In those moments when the wind is behind you and you're feeling so great and you're having such an awesome day and you know the Lord is with you, balance that out on the days when you don't feel that. And remind yourself that he is still with you. Can I get an amen? And the Bible says that in James 5, Jesus' half-brother James says that Elijah was a man like we are, with a nature like ours. Most comforting thing I've ever heard. That means he had emotions, Grace. That means he had a mind. He had a soul. He had a body. That means he dealt with flesh and blood. But this man prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain. And then he prayed it would rain because the effectual fervent of the righteous availeth much. Someone say amen. amen. But James wants you to know Elijah wasn't superhuman, and you don't have to be either. You don't have to be like the X-Men, which I happen to love that, those movies. You don't have to be like the Avengers. You don't have to be bulletproof. 
and God can still use you. On the bad days, when one scream from the enemy sends you running, remind yourself, I just outran, because you did outrun Ahab's chariot. You outran depression. You outran fear. You outran addiction. You outran worry. You outran every enemy that Satan sent into you. You survived what you should not have survived, and you felt the wind of the Spirit. Remind your soul and remind your mind. If God be for me, he is more than the world against me. Somebody give him a big shout of praise in this house. Here he is, and here's Elijah outrunning the chariot that wind in his sails. But all of a sudden, oh, Jezebel says, God, the gods of Baal kill me if I don't kill Elijah by this time tomorrow. You say Elijah should not have been frightened by this, but sometimes a word is anointed by the enemy to come at just the right time. Just the right time when you're tired, when you're hungry, <laughs> when you're vulnerable. That's right. And that word was targeted to come. And she had the power. I don't have time to preach about Jezebel and Ahab. Woo, listen to Jonathan Kahn. He has a great teaching on that. But I don't have time to preach about them. But I will tell you this. She could do what she said she could do. She had killed many. Here's the deal. One loud, threatening scream from Jezebel sent a strong, loved prophet that just outran the chariot running for his life. It was targeted for his mind. It was targeted for his emotions. You and I may not deal with a Queen Jezebel, but Elijah ran as far as the southern border to Beersheba, as far as he could. This same man I want you to say this same man this same man that outran Ahab's chariot when the spirit of the Lord came upon him is now running the opposite direction from his destiny because the enemy pulled back his bow and blew an arrow right at him when that happens you've got to say to your soul what I'm feeling is not accurate can I get an amen Elijah should have said, consider the source. Here's the deal. You and I probably don't deal, hopefully, prayerfully, Jesus' name please, with living Jezebels. But we do live with the Jezebels of fear, threats, hopelessness. Your life is in vain. You're helping no one. Panic, despondency, burdens. And it says, run away. I remember my first women's conference we had here. Mama Linda, it probably was even before you came, it was so, Pastor Barbara, they're, they're sick, would have remembered it. But it was so small, but it was so mighty, and it's so big. We'd only been pastoring here for two years. I was 29 when I became the pastor's wife of this church. It was so awesome. But afterwards, I told my mom, I said, I just want to get in a car, and I just want to drive to California and she goes, what about your husband and your child? I said, oh, they can come too. But I just, I, just, I just want to disappear. I just want to go. And she said, honey, what's going on with you right now is the adrenaline carried you through the event. But now the adrenaline has left. And you're tired. 
and you're back in normal day. Can I get a witness from anybody? And you're back with the burden of work. You're back in that situation. You're back in that emotion. And the thing about it is, is, and I didn't go. I stayed and my mother spoke wisdom to me. But here's the deal. That arrow was aimed just the right way. I want to tell you, I've recently, I sometimes help pastors in other states with situations I cannot say. But recently, I was helping in a situation unrelated to us in another part of this country where someone got a stronghold about something and someone that we all knew and have known for a long time began to believe something about another situation that was so far from who this person has been and it was so wrong about this situation and none of us could convince them what happened a stronghold comes brother Matt with a foundation and then the stronghold builds the walls because a stronghold is a house of thoughts and then the roof goes on I'm going to tell you something brothers and sisters at 62 I've learned to fight the strongholds when the foundation is trying to be laid by the enemy when the enemy brings a concrete in and he's saying to you it's over he's saying to you you're done I spoke to one of the greatest men of God is on my regents board not Pastor Billy but another one he said I just think maybe it's over for me and I don't want to say his name but I said dear Lord elder he's a lot older than me it's not over over for you and your wife it's just begun he said I know I said that's a that's a foundation that's trying to be laid but you've got to fight it when the enemy comes in to lay the concrete because if you let him get in there he will build the walls and then he will build the roof and then you'll find yourself deceived and you don't even know it you've got to say to your mind I refuse to think the negative I refuse to receive it I consider the source God would never say that to me. His word would never say that to me. And I resisted. Can you give King Jesus a shout of praise? Come on. Give him a shout of praise. Fortunately, God works with Elijah. But here's my theory. Several things. I think he dealt with the adrenaline. You know, going through a great victory. And then that's done. It's like people get their degree. What do I do next? People climb a mountain. People, you know, often when someone speaks, I, they don't know, but I pray for them afterwards because I know what's going to come against them. But you're best to go ahead because God comes to protect you. But it's like the Greeks have a saying, if you break the bow, if you break the bow, you will keep it always bent, which means constant work and no rest and refreshment. Can I get an amen? And no naps. Can I get an Amen. And no good eating food. Can I get an amen? If you consistently do that, there's a part of your psyche. If you've ever talked to me, I'm going to say, I'll say it to my daughters, did you sleep well last night? I'll ask myself. If I wake up feeling like, woe is me, I'll think, okay, what's going on here? What's going on here? I feel like that was part of with Elijah and God deals with that. But also, I feel like that after that great moment of victory, when Baal's prophets are killed and he outruns Ahab, I think in that moment, he expected that Ahab and Jezebel were going to go down. Possibly, listen to the Lord, that the Lord had given him a word that he was going to take them out. But aren't we often discouraged when it does not happen on the timeline that we thought it would happen? Come on, somebody. When it doesn't, and they're still reigning in victory. It's our expectations. It's our dates. It's that Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Living Bible. I would give you an expected end, but when that end doesn't come, so how does that look for you and I? It looks like this. 
God, I sacrificed, and it still hadn't happened. I did the right thing, and the breakthrough still hasn't come. I prayed that prayer, and I prayed that prayer, and I prayed that prayer. I was faithful in my job, and I was still passed over for that promotion. God, I, I've done this, and I've done that. But often we know seeds take time, but also God's timeline is not our timeline. He is in charge. He was going to take care of Ahab and Jezebel. Read about it because Jezebel's demise was glorious. Throw her down seven times. You'll have to read it. Her demise was glorious, but it didn't happen in the moment. If God has given you a word and you believe it, do not let the enemy torment you with it will never happen. Do not let him intimidate you do not let him send you to a cave of defeat and discouragement do not let him bully you because it's not happened on your timeline if God said it he means it and all of his promises are yes and amen somebody give him one more praise in this room and Elijah is running but God is willing him come meet with me so you can look triumphantly above your foes Come meet with me. There's a beautiful psalm that I love, um, Keith. It's Psalm 73, and I've, I found it when I was a worship leader, and it means so much to me. It says, all of this was oppressive. And actually, the Message Bible says, all of this just really gave me a headache. <laughs> all of this freaked me out. Eugene Peterson had a way with words. All of this really discouraged me until I entered into the sanctuary. Now, there's a lot of things we come together and worship that the Lord brings peace to, but I also believe there's times we go into meeting. Are you saying, Pastor Ron, that God is going to give me a 65-page documentation on everything that he's doing and why he's doing? No, I am not saying that. That would be wonderful. But what I'm saying is when we come to meet with him, he brings peace over what has brought us distraughtness. Come on, somebody. He brings joy over what has bullied us through sorrow. When we listen to a song on the radio and we worship or we pray a prayer, and we didn't feel anything, but there's just something different about us when we get up. Can I say amen in this house? God is faithful, and things oppress us until we read his word and until we listen to music. I can be in a department store and all of a sudden go, that's Christian, that's Christian. They're playing Christian. And, and somebody be, how do you know that? I said, I know it, I just felt the spirit. That's Christian, that's Christian music. And sure enough, I'll listen a little bit more, and they're playing Lauren Diego, and they don't even know it. Come on, somebody. Because there is a an anointing above and on. I love a plethora of music. We are a musical family. You go to any genre, we can meet you with all that music. Can I get an amen? But there is something special about when I come to the house of the Lord and I worship with my brothers and sisters. There is dust that gets washed off of my feet. There is fear that gets driven off of me. It doesn't matter if I felt anything. There is joy and peace in the presence of the Lord. Lord, somebody give him a praise in this house. All of this was oppressive until I entered the house of the Lord. And here is Elijah under a juniper tree, isolated. And he says, take my life. He's run those miles all the way to Beersheba. For I am no better than my fathers. Here's the interesting thing. No one asked him to be better than his fathers. We put a standard upon ourselves and upon others that God does not even intend us to have. The most comforting thing that you ought to know is that God says to Elijah, 
through the angel. This journey is too much for you. The, the Lord kind of brings back a veil, if I can say it that way, and he allows you to see an angel feeding Elijah and an angel saying, the journey's too much for you. I don't want to see an angel in my kitchen cooking me up some corn on the cob. Can I get an amen? I, I want to live. Anybody with me? But I want to tell you this. I know there's moments and times and seasons in your life and my life when God says, I know you need help. I know you need rest. I know you need encouragement. I know you need people to walk side along you. And I'm going to do it because this journey is too much for you. Can I get an amen? Think about it. That food sustained him for 40 days. I intend to read the whole thing but in my opening, but I couldn't. For 40 days, it sustained him. I believe there's been things that God has done for us that sustained us through trials. God not only sustains the dream, but he sustains us. People said, how did you make it through? God helped me. He fed you. He loved on you in moments of hopelessness, in moments of discouragement. And I love what God didn't do with Elijah. Here's the prophet of God who outran Ahab's chariot, but he's sitting underneath a juniper tree asking to die. And I love that God does not say, get up off of your backside, you lazy prophet. Stand up and face me. Stand up. Look at you, you worthless warrior. No, God said, I know this is too much for you. I'm thankful I have a heavenly father who often looks at Rhonda Davis and looks at Tina and looks at Gerald and looks at Peggy and looks at Linda and says this is too much for you I'm going to give you a good cry tonight and let the tears release the toxins can I get an amen I'm going to give you a moment of a good night's sleep and when you wake up tomorrow you're going to feel refreshed he'll have someone call you unexpected and say you're on my mind or someone will text you and say I'm thinking about you and I want to tell you we are the hands and feet of Jesus that are called to sustain others we're not angels baking cake on the fire but we are caking we are baking encouragement and hope can I get an amen no caking in the house of the Lord come on look at your neighbor and say no caking Ooh, that was just funny if you really knew what that was about that's just funny heavenly manna 40 days on that the psalmist said, I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord sustained me. And usually through you and I, the Lord sustains others. I've known times in the house of the Lord here and other places where someone had made a decision to kill themselves, but someone on their row said, can I pray for you? Can I talk to you? Can I take you somewhere? I love that we are the hands and feet that can say this journey is too much for you so I'm going to walk with you I'm going to talk with you I'm going to be with you until you get to your destiny can you give God a hand clap of praise in this house this morning and God says and Pastor Connie if you would come help me she's going to play for the altar service and God says to Elijah what are you doing here I love it that he says, what are you doing here? Because God knew what he was doing there. But, he, but, but track with me just for a moment. He's wanting Elijah to locate himself to God. God knew where he was. Here's the deal. God wants you and I to locate ourselves to him. The most redeeming thing that you can do, or one of the most redeeming things, is to say, Lord, I'm, I'm scared. Lord, I feel overwhelmed. 
Lord, I'm really concerned about this situation. Somehow we think that we're more of the people if we don't say that. When God is a loving Abba Father, he wants you to come meet him. He wants you to come to him and say, this is what I feel. I know it's not legitimate. I know it's unrealistic because Elijah was overtired. He was hungry. His perceptions were wrong. And when you're tired, you don't see things clearly. You don't. When you're in the middle of a trial, sometimes you don't see things clearly. You see tunnel vision. That's why you need God's perspective to say to you, this is what I see in your life. And Elijah responds and he says, I have been so zealous for you, God. He lays it on the line and he had. Someone say he had. He had fought off the prophets of Baal. He had outrun Ahab's chariot. He had brought miracles. And he said, I've, I've been so zealous. I kind of think how I'm an exhorter, so I have to make it work for you and I. What's that kind of like? It's kind of like when I say, God, I've done all I know to do. I've prayed the prayer and the mountain still hasn't moved. I've taken that step of faith, but Lord, nothing has changed. I've been faithful, Lord. I didn't just pay my tithes, I paid my tithes and my offerings. I worshiped in the house. And Lord, your word says to get along with everyone, at least as it concerns me. And I have, except for that one crazy person that works at my job. Come on. You can tell him that too. Come and meet with me, he says. So you can get my perspective and look on your enemies with triumph. And we say to the Lord, maybe you and I do, um, I've done all I know to do, Lord. But these things are still concerning me. I, I can't make sense out of them. Lord, I've done all I know to do, but these things are overwhelming me, Jesus. I just feel so overwhelmed. Speaking of encouragement, I was with my sweet daddy at 92. His mind, selling his, celebrating his birthday. It's tomorrow, but we're going to eat with him today. And uh, I was sitting there, and I was telling about the transition, and I just... You know, everything's happening. And I said, Daddy, it'd be a lot easier if Hank was here. Daddy, why did God choose this season with me at the helm of the ship? I know God says I'm enough and my board of regents say I'm enough, but am I enough, Dad? He just looked at me and had this incredible clarity. He always gets into this preaching rhythm in that moment. He said, you're a prophet, you're a missionary, you're an evangelist, you're a teacher. You are called by God, you are anointed by the Most High. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Words of wisdom come from your mouth and the power of God flows in your feet. You are called for this hour, for this moment and for this time. You are more than enough. Hallelujah. Then he went back staring at the TV, you know. I'm just, I'm just being real with you. You know me. You know what that's like. Maybe you're saying to the Lord, am I enough? And he just said over you, you're anointed. You're gifted. You're talented. You have a heart that's so special. You have skills that others don't have. You're a prayer warrior. You are more than enough. The 
heavenly Father who will exceed my Father who will surely go to heaven before me unless the rapture comes. I will still try to hear those words because it's His voice that matters the most. So in that moment, we say to God, I've, I've done, let me continue with that thought process. I've done all I know to do, but the situation's still here. But here I am, Alma. Here I am, Alma. That's what I always say to here I am. Some prayers unanswered, some questions I wrestle with. He says to you and I, the door is always open. Come and meet with me so you can look triumphantly upon your situation where I can give you my vantage point. I can give you my perspective. Come meet with me. The door is always open. You know, before I finish, is it, don't make this harder. And I know mostly mature believers here, but in case not, don't make it harder than it is. I can meet with him anywhere I'm at. In the car, washing clothes, cooking. In fact, most of the time, I don't hear from the Lord on fast. I don't hear from the Lord in the middle of most situations, but after something will come to me. And the way he guides me, I should write books someday because it's like crazy ridiculous. I mean, like a book will fall off, y'all you know, look, oh, no. I'll go to see something. He'll say, oh, what about this? But it's not really mystical. Don't make it mystical. Sometimes it will be, but it's so genuine. It's so simple. It's so profound. And he says, come meet with me. I want to give you my vantage point. I can see better than Rock City top seven states. I can see everything. When these things weigh you down, just talk to me. Just talk to me. Maybe it won't be an audible word. Probably not. I've never received one of those, but usually it's in my backyard, my devotions every morning, and just some verse. I'm like, whoa, thank you, Father. Thank you so much. Thank you for that verse. I feel like it was just put in there for me. Thank you. Thank you. That's the manna that I needed. An angel didn't bake it, but the Holy Spirit did and put it right there on purpose. You see, right now God is writing songs that will help you in two years. The songs that are helping you right now that you hear on the radio or you worship with, God that put that on someone's heart and used their talent. I think God is a friend of ours that wrote that. And God wrote that knowing that our church would have a great baptism with it and that we would love that song. Hell lost another one. Amen. You see, God is working ahead of time to feed us, to sustain us. So he says to Elijah, come and meet with me, Elijah. Get out of that cave. What are you doing there? And he says, I've just been so zealous, God. He says, go out and stand before me on the mountain. And you know this next few things. And he's still on the mountain and the Lord passed by, but a great wind came and it said it shook Tanner, the rocks. I can imagine this so much. It just shook the rocks. It was so powerful. But God was not in the wind. Here's the deal. When I was young in ministry and I led worship, the Lord said to me, Rhonda, you don't demand moods out of your husband. You don't demand moods out of your friend. If you meet a friend and she's in a little quiet mood, you're quiet with her. Don't demand certain moods out of me. 
If I want to move in a whisper, let me move in a whisper. If I want to move with a shout, let me move with a shout. Sometimes we get so dependent upon special effects. If they'll just sing that song, and I know we don't have tambourines. Don't bring them. It's okay, all right? If I can just get my tambourine, if I can get my dance on to that song, everything's going to be good. And God said, that's not the mood for today. Maybe the mood is a gentle whisper that just says to your heart, your mind. Maybe the sunset at night, the sunrise in the morning, you belong to me. Then the earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And sometimes we're like, razzle, dazzle me, Jesus. Dazzle, razzle me, Jesus. Razzle, dazzle me, Jesus. Give me some special effects. Let me see something Ooh, supernatural. But God says, I don't want you to depend on one supernatural act or another. I want you to depend on my word and who I am. I want you to depend on what I have said to you. I want you to walk out what I've already given you. We don't need to be trying to get words from hither to tither. We need to live out the same word the Lord gave us. Can I get an amen in the house? Give him a hand clap of praise this morning. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and then came the fire. But the Lord's not in the fire. And, and here I'll say this, and I'll go to my closing. It says, the Lord was not in the fire, but it said, after the fire. I want you to say those words, after the fire. That's what came to me this morning. I don't know in the middle of a trial, in the middle of a fire, that I've ever really heard him, except I just kept going. But it seems like after the trial, after the hard time, then the revelation comes. Then the whisper comes. You got to keep going because a whisper coming. And why did God, why did God whisper to Elijah? Because he wanted to draw him close. Because you know, I've got a loud voice, at least that's what a few people around here have told me. I have a loud voice, and you could probably be in the driveway and I could cause you to hear me. I come from a long line of preachers with loud voices. But you have to be out there and you can hear me. But if I whisper without a mic, you got to be super close to me. Sometimes God just wants you to slow down and hear the still, small voice that says, You belong to me. Come close to me. Maybe your daddy's not sitting in a rocking chair like mine. I get it. And my time is limited with him. I know that upon this earth. But Daddy God, Abba Father, says, I just want to draw you close. And he gives Elijah. When you come to meet with God, he gives you new perspective and new vision. He sends him back to the workplace. He sends him back in you to the home, to the school. We are sometimes like the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we're like, let us just build a booth right here. Um, baptism days. Every time we get together, I think that. I come in the next morning and I can feel the atmosphere of us being together. But we can't live inside this building together. We've got to go to the jobs. We've got to go to the harvest. We've got to go to the marketplace. But when we come and meet with him, he gives new vision. And he told Elijah, I'm going to multiply your ministry through Jehu, Hazel, and Elisha. And your ministry will be multiplied. And by the way, there are 7,000 of my people that have not bowed to Baal. You are not alone. God gives you perspective there is more to you than you know because there is so much more to him. Give him a shout of praise this morning. Give him a shout of praise. So this is what I wrote for you last night. I was sitting and God put on my mind to reach out to someone I knew that pastors in another city, he and his wife. And I just thought, here goes nothing. But I couldn't get away from it And through messenger. And they text me back and said, Pastor Rhonda, 
This week has been so full of demonic activity. We are just worn to the bone, but what the Lord just said through you. And you know, it's funny, guys. Can I be honest with you? I'm sitting out there thinking, here goes nothing. You've probably just made this up. Oh, yeah, I do that too. But I've learned to follow those tugs. And you and I are called to be that, to make sense out of what does not make sense. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. So I was out there, and this came to me about 7.30. If I can read it to you the way I wrote it, kind of in a poetry form a little bit. The Lord says, come and meet with me so you can look triumphantly above your life and circumstances, your trials and your unanswered prayers. Come and meet with me on my mountain and see my perspective, says the Lord. Come and meet with me in the beginning in the garden. I made a way for Adam and Eve when they fell. Come and meet with me, says the Lord, at the Red Sea, where I cleared a path that no one even knew was there, and my people walked through on solid, dry ground. Come and meet with me, says the Lord, at Jericho, where the walls were too high, too strong, but they fell at the shout of my people's command. Can I get an amen? Come and meet with me in Babylon, in a den of lions, when I caused the lions to be a pillow for my son Daniel to lay his head. Come and meet with me through the pages of my history, from Genesis to Revelation, where I subdued kingdoms and brought life back to situations that were once dead. Can you say amen? Come and meet with me at Bethlehem. We're almost done. Where my son, the Savior, broke through the darkness and Satan began to feel a sense of dread. Come and meet with me at Golgotha's hill where Calvary's cross now exists. When the Son of Man crushed the head of the enemy, taking your place instead. Come and meet with me at the tomb when hell was throwing a party but all of the sudden an angel rolled the stone away and Satan's face was filled with fear and Satan trembled and demons shrieked as Jesus shook the keys and said oh grave where is your victory oh death where is your sting all of hell was shaken and all of heaven began to sing God is in charge he can be trusted his perspective is true for he is risen he is risen hallelujah Jesus is alive can you stand and praise him can you stand and put your hands together come on just give him a big shout of praise in this house hallelujah hallelujah Christine and Leanne if you'd come join me and Renee if you know in the presence of Jehovah come too, and Devin as well we're just going to sing this song in worship for a moment. It's called In the Presence of Jehovah. And Father, I pray right now for every man and woman in this room in these last few minutes of this service, a sweet presence of your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You do all things well. But as we worship, Lord, we come to meet with you. We're not looking for sudden answers, but we are looking for peace, joy, and the assurance you've got it all in control. So we come to meet with you and to worship you in this room. For in your presence, Jehovah God, there is fullness of joy and peace. If you would begin to sing it, Pastor Connie, if you know it, join in with them. Just lift your hands right where you are. And in this moment, worship him and enjoy his presence. Hallelujah.
just worship Him. over and take someone's hand or put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them. Can we just do that in this last moment? Pray that God will encourage them, will strengthen them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our families. We pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray for our spouses. We pray for our friends. Lord, I thank you that you have called us to be your messengers. Through Elijah this day, we realize, Lord, we don't have to be superhuman. We don't have to be bulletproof. We just have to be willing. But at every point of our journey, when things are too hard, you're ready to say it's too much. And you're ready to bring provision. You're ready to bring hope. You're ready to bring strength. You're ready to bring healing. Lord, we speak the healing name of Jesus, the restoring name of Jesus over every person in this room. We thank you, Lord, that you are mending, you're restoring. And now, even in your presence, Lord, we're going to carry away with us another dimension of you today. For you are faithful and you are good and you are mighty. We thank you, Jesus. Let's sing it one more time in the presence. In the presence, in the presence what you've accomplished in this room thank you for what we've sensed but thank you more for what we've not sensed thank you for what you've done in our hearts and our mind through your word that's gone forth Lord we've laughed we've received encouragement maybe we've shed some tears but we thank you Lord that your call is come to me and receive my perspective so this week Lord we pray to see your perspective in things we pray not to be delivered from our tunnel vision but to hear you and see you through your word, through songs of faith, through the encouragement of our brothers and sisters and our families. In Christ's name, we commit all things to you. And everyone said, amen, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you, Church of the Harvest. Have an awesome week in his name. Give Pastor Connie a hand. Wouldn't you love to have more of that going on? Woo! We love you. Have a blessed week.